just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, we're talking about one of the things that is happening more often and more often due to the invention of the Internet. People are able to feed their conspiracy theories all over the place. So the title of this show is Conspiracy Psychology. And boy, I had to do a lot of research on this because there's so much content out there and so much information that's being shared. But, you know, conspiracy theories Basically, they go back to probably the beginning of time. But it's, you know, in these recent years, psychologists have just started uh, to, to figure out the belief that some people have in them. And, and conspiracy theories are explanations, basically, that refer to hidden groups working in secret to achieve sinister or bad objectives. And whether it's the killing of a U.S. president, the Ken- Kennedy, President Kennedy, when he was shot, there was enormous amounts of conspiracy theories for many years. I would say 30, 40 years even, and it's probably still going on today. Also, uh, uh, the, the Vegas shooting, that there was a mass shooting involving seemingly normal, I wouldn't call him that, but older white guy. Um, also, the conspiracy theories are, are, are usually right behind big events like that, uh, like 9-11. It has a lot of big events. Uh, when the start of World War II, when J- Japan uh, invaded Pearl Harbor, it was thought that the government already knew, uh, in fact, that the, Chinese, the Japanese were on their way and let it happen due to get us, to get us involved in the war. That was a, a conspiracy theory, never been proven. Um, just all kinds of crazy stuff goes on. Uh, the the Heaven's Gate massacre in in uh, in uh, San Diego. Uh, there's just so many things. But what what drives people's belief in these out there explanations for significant events? You know, researchers basically have a hard lot of work to do examining why a small minority of the population believe and even thrive on conspiracy theories. You know, um, there's a lot of uh, characteristics that are associated with a person who's likely to believe in these theories. The personality traits such as openness to experience, distrust, uh, low agreeability, um, uh, Machiavellianism are associated with the conspiracy belief. And, and low agreeability basically refers to the trait of agreeableness, which which basically psychologists look at that as how much an individual is dependable, kind, and cooperative. Someone with low agreeability is an individual who's usually not very dependable, kind, or cooperative. And Machiavellianism refers to a personality trait where a person is so focused on their own interest that they will actually manipulate deceive and exploit others to achieve their goals. And they also manipulate and and, uh, 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 information 
to exploit information to back their point of view. And, and in terms of cognitive processes, people with stronger conspiracy beliefs are usually more likely to overestimate the likelihood of co-occurring events to attribute intentionally where it is unlikely to exist and to have lower levels of analytic thinking. And that's the problem. There is not much analytic thinking involved in conspiracy theories. None of this would be surprising because, you, you know, you start to analyze a situation with demonstrable facts and it usually and quite thoroughly will break down the conspiracy theory into component parts, none of which make sense standing on their own. For example, with zero evidence, conspiracy theorists need to invent a reason for a, for a second shooter invasion uh, in Vegas to match what they see as facts. But once a person starts inventing a narrative out of thin air, you can see very little critical thinking occurring. Look at the day and age we're in, this election year. Craziness, craziness, tons of conspiracy theories around COVID-19, uh, conspiracy theories around Black Lives Matter, conspiracy theories around the Democratic Party, conspiracy theories around the Republican Party, conspiracy theories behind the media. I mean, there's so much going on. You know, uh, you have to uh, research and examine the role of a person's need for uniqueness, which drives their need to have the belief of conspiracy theories, and also find a correlation in their life as to why that reasoning comes forward. So, you know, we, we often argue that people uh, high in the need for uniqueness should be more likely than others to endorse conspiracy beliefs, because conspiracy theories represent the possession of unconventionally and potentially scarce information. Moreover, like the landing on the moon, people, people that don't believe that, the flat earth thing that people believe in. <clears throat> Moreover, conspiracy theories rely on narratives that refer to secret knowledge or information, which by definition is not accessible to everyone, otherwise it would not be a secret, and it would be a well-known fact. But people who believe in conspiracy theories can feel special in a positive sense because they may feel that they are more informed than others about the important social and political events that they refer to. You know, our findings can also be connected to recent research. When you look at the findings that's out there and, and all the, the information that's available from psychology, that narcissism or a grandiose idea of a person's self is positively and totally related to the belief in conspiracy theories. So interestingly, uh, paranoid thought mediates the relationship between an individual narcissist and conspiracy beliefs. So you make a narcissist into a paranoid and what do you have a conspiracy theorist you know people um need that uniqueness and, and that is an additional uh mediator in that kind of a relationship they want to feel unique that they are special and so you know there's a lot of work that has shown that narcissism is really correlated in the need for uniqueness. And uh, there's also uniqueness related to conspiracy belief. And so this type of a person has certain components that, once again, they have the need to be unique, they have a narcissistic trait, and they also have uh, 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 beliefs, uh, uh, conspiracy beliefs that they use from a paranoid perspective.
And so, you know, people who believe in conspiracy theories are, are more alienated and socially isolated. And so, you know, it, it, those individuals who, who endorse those kind of conspiracy theories, like aliens, um, are likely to be higher in powerlessness, social isolation, um, which, you know, is a subjective disengagement from social norms. And, and that disengagement from the normative social order may result in greater conspiratorial thinking for a whole lot of reasons. First reason would be that individuals who feel alienated may consequently reject conventional explanations of events as they reject the legitimacy of the source of the explanations. And due to these individuals feeling alienated from their peers, they may also turn to conspiracy groups for a sense of belonging and community because they want to feel supported. And so their marginalized subcultures that they join as a conspiracy theory uh, theorist, they potentially get together and they develop a sense of, of togetherness and gather and group think. And basically, they reinforce their perspective over and over and over again. And it's very hard for them to break from that psychology as they sit there and try to uh, basically support each other. And, and people who feel powerless, you know, will endorse that conspiracy theories and they develop a sense of anger behind it because nobody's listening. They're the bad guys. They're stupid. They're the people who don't. Uh, know what they're talking about. The rest of the world doesn't know what they're talking about. And so they develop this sense of us versus them. And so they become uh, rather antisocial. And so it's it's sad. But the in internet has uh, also amplified the abilities of these like-minded people to come together to share and expand on their theories. And, and, and it, it only takes a few hours. I mean, if you look back to the Las uh, Vegas massacre, for a conspiracy Facebook group to appear within more with more than 500 members, well, it happened almost immediately, only hours after that, just hours. So, you know, uh, consistent with uh, the, the, the idea of what this person looks like, the endorsement of conspiracy theories is related to moderately to strong with the alienation, uh, isolation, powerlessness, normlessness, disengagement from social norms that these folks embrace. And that is a common denominator with many people who are conspiracy theorists. And usually, not only with the narcissism, but there's that underlying anger in that person that's just ready to bubble. And the more that they're expounding on their theory, the more angry they become because nobody's listening and they've got all of this research and all of this great information that nobody wants to hear, nobody wants to understand. They just want to take the narrative that the government gives you or the media or whatever. You know, self-esteem is, is something when instability results from uncertainty. Also, it's, uh, the, it's characters associated with greater likelihood to believe in conspiracy theories. So people who don't feel like they belong to any one group, um, ba basically it's sense of belongingness, are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. And, and you, you can't really argue with people who believe in these theories. And that's the crazy part, because their beliefs aren't rational. Instead, they're often fear or paranoia-based beliefs that when confronted with that contrarian uh, factual evidence, 
they will dismiss both the evidence and the messenger who who brings it along. And that may even be their children or their spouse. That's because conspiracy theories are driven by the people who believe and spread them and their psychological makeup, not on the factual support or the logical reasoning of the actual theory itself, which is crazy. You know, conspiracy theories aren't going away. And for as long as there are people who have a need to believe in them, they will continue and expand and they will thrive. The problem is when the public starts to listen to them and the media expounds them and Facebook and the internet and the Twitters and all that stuff start to blow the stuff up, oftentimes people will buy it. People will buy it as real because it sounds real and people are lazy. And so they usually don't do the research to figure out what's right and wrong. They'll depend on certain resources and whatever those resources gravitate to, whether it's conspiracy theories or not, they'll listen to that. The the internet and social media like Facebook have only made those theories even easier to spread. So, you know, uh, if you're going to try to argue with somebody who believe in them, just save your breath. No amount of facts will dissuade them and, and for their belief. And basically, you're going to probably lose that relationship with that person because now you're on the other side. You know, there's a lot of psychological research that suggests that people who believe in these kind of conspiracy theories are more likely to have a lot of weird quirks. You know, but the, the question really touches on what is this thing, which is what they begin with rejection of authority uh, accounts and generally accepted beliefs. They basically migrate to a sense of rejection of any authority. And, and basically, they want to uh, uh, accept beliefs that are outside the norm so that they can feel a sense of power. And what's strange is children want power. Children want power. And so there's something in that person's life, likely in their childhood, where they never felt completely accepted. But they're very smart people in some ways. And basically, they use their intelligence as a weapon. And so they move into these conspiracy theories to make themselves different and heard. You know, um, uh, and, and you know, for example, religious beliefs, they're grounded in faith and arguably a wish to believe. Conspiracy theories, in contrast, start with the disbelief in conventional wisdom in favor of a kind of secret, uh, 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 malevolent, uh, real story that's being hidden from the public through some cover-up. So there's good evidence that the disbelief is basically uh, uh, mirrored by mistrust. And, and I, I think that it's an actual underappreciated aspect of how these theories arrive. The reality is it is hard to find consistent definition of what a belief is just in psychology alone. And, and so, but when we talk about the act of believing, that's an act of faith. That means we don't have all the evidence. We don't have all the facts, but we believe. And that's the basis also of religion. Now, I'm not talking about a relationship with God, but it is also a leap of faith to have a relationship with God. That can be much more real than the doctrine of a religion. So many uh, religions 
are, are basically living by a set of rules that they have designed. And those rules are man-made. And so a lot of people are rebelling against religion. They want to go to church. They want to believe in God. They want to figure out how to have that relationship with God. But you're not going to get it through a religion. You're not going to get it through man. You have to get it through your spirit. And that's the interesting part of it. But, you know, uh, uh, basically, a belief is, is a cognitive representative of the nature of reality that includes our inner experiences, the world around us, and the world beyond us. You know, uh, but when we talk about that believing, it's important that uh, we, we um, when something arises, widely depending on a specific belief or a specific individual, that we look a little deeper. And these differences in, in conviction, and it's oftentimes the conviction of the conspiracy theorists that you're buying rather than the actual evidence and information that they're spinning. You know, because so how can understanding beliefs help us understand those that believe in unpopular ideas? You know, if you think of the kind of reverse way, um, you know, just basically from a psychological perspective, understanding pathological forms of belief such as delusions – and delusional thinking, which we're going to do a show on that, depersonalization and disassociation, which is not delusions, but delusions are, are sen uh, oftentimes related to a sense of grandeur, a sense of uh, 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 making yourself better than uh, other people. But we have to look at how can that help us understand certain types of normal beliefs like conspiracy theories that we might describe as delusion-like. And so... You know, there's some commonalities across the whole spectrum of delusion-like beliefs, but also there's some differences. First of all, delusions are loosely defined as strong beliefs in things that aren't true. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and dive a little deeper into the psychology, and then we're going to go into how to deal with this stuff and also the impact on the Internet. Come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment.
you are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about conspiracy psychology, you know, and we're kind of meeting on the delusion-like beliefs, the spectrum of that, and, and, and why it's important to understand the differences. And as I said before, delusions are usually defined as, a, as strong beliefs in things that aren't true. But the key difference between delusions and conspiracy theorists is that delusions are by definition false and not shared by others. And they often have a a, a uh, self-referral or a self-referential, that means looking aspect to them, looking inward, and, and meaning that the believer is part of a delusional story. And so conspiracy theorists, on the other hand, are by enlarge shared beliefs that usually lack a self-referential quality. And of course, also unlike delusions, sometimes conspiracy theories turn out to be true. And so, you know, when we looked at this uh, aspect of China purposefully uh, put the COVID virus through uh, the world and to, in order to restore the economy or, or basically disrupt our economy, they probably did. They probably did, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows right now. I don't think anybody has all the facts right now. But conspiracy theorists are going crazy over the aspect of why China behaved the way they did. And they've got all kinds of thoughts, but they don't have lots of evidence. You know, conspiracy theorists, um, and once again, uh, to heal conspiracy theorists, you have to look at things analytically. But if you confront them with it, they're going to deny. They're going to sell their own ideas. And basically what's going to happen is they're, they're not going to listen and they'll disown you and basically you're on the other side. You know, they're usually not much uh, as theorists as they are as conspiracy theists. People who believe in conspiracies aren't usually so much theorizing or coming up with explanations on their own as they are hearing them from other people and finding them online. And then they get behind them almost like a religion. And so there's a a specific kind of personality, a person that's more likely to buy into the false belief than others. First of all, uh, the idea of normal, well-functioning people don't have false beliefs is a complete myth. There's lots of well-meaning, normal people who believe in conspiracies. You know, all of us hold a variety of false beliefs, you know, positive illusions like uh, unwarranted optimism about the future. And that's really common, and it's even healthy in many ways. But one of the most striking things about conspiracy theories is just how common they are. You know, surveys consistently show that about 50% of the American public believes in at least one conspiracy theory, and often uh, more than one. So to be clear, even though you know I'm a psychologist, I'm not talking about conspiracy theories as if they're a symptom of, of mental illness. But that said, you know... Uh, psychological research has revealed a whole bunch of cognitive quirks that people who believe in these conspiracy theories tend to have. You know, they need they have this need for certainty. They have the need for closure. 
they need they they have this uh, teleologic bias, the desire to believe that everything happens from some greater purpose. And these kind of quirks might help to understand why the assassination of, let's say, JFK or the death of uh, Princess Diana attracts us and attracts these conspiracy theories. And so there's a desire to come up with an explanation for tragedies that gets some larger meaning to the event. And so the conspiracy theories have also been found to be more likely in people who tend to not to think analytically or have a unique and and have a unique uh, a need for uniqueness. Sorry about my word <laughs> scrambling all day, and that might make them attracted to some hidden secretive narrative so no one else knows about. And but to be clear, these are all traits or cognitive quirks that we tend to have in degrees as people. So it's less about personality type, but it's it's about something more subtle about a continuum of normalcy that we often want. And so there's little question that the internet can help spread false beliefs, including conspiracy theories, of course, which we're going to talk about later. But there's also research that's shown that misinformation tends to spread faster and more widely than factual information. So the internet is clearly a fertile breeding ground for conspiracy theories. And, and there's no good evidence that conspiracy theories are necessarily more common now than they've been in, at other points in history, but I suspect they are due to the fact that the internet and social media is out there feeding it, and the media itself, and the government itself, and the army, and the Navy, and the Marines, and uh, Department of Defense, the Homeland Security, all you know, the the, the all these. Uh, crazy um, uh, uh, people that are hostile to the United States. I mean, there's so much going on and there's so much thinking about conspiracy theories and spinning these theories to try to change society, to try to change people's behavior. But what is somewhat unique to the internet is the way it's designed. And through a click-based revenue model, along with the creation of, of bubbles or filters that can foster echo chambers, and confirmation biases that strengthens conviction to our pre-existing beliefs. So if you have this conspiracy theory as a pre-existing belief, you can go into the internet, Google it, and basically you're going to find all kinds of information that you can pull from there to reinforce your perspective. And people get warped by this. And, and you know, searching for information online is often confirmation uh, bias on steroids. And what's interesting is the media has learned to play into this because they know it makes money. If they can spin a theory and spin a conspiracy theory, people are going to want them to research and research and research. And that means money, 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 money. People love to see if a conspiracy theory can be validated. That's just like, wow, then I have conspiracy theories that may be true too. And so people tend to want to spin even further. So the idea that we're living in a, a post-truth world is based on the premise that disagreement about facts and the conflation of facts and opinion has gotten to the point that people don't believe the facts exist or at all that the truth and the so-called alternative truths are one and the same. So, you know, it's basically been argued out there that conspiracy theories are a symptom of living in a kind of post-truth world. You know, have we seen this kind of uh, fight against science happen before in history? You know, what really drives these movements? 
And these movements are basically driven by money. Look at all the spin that goes on in politics. Look at what's going on with both the Republicans and the Democrats. There's so much spin. If you go to CNN, you're going to hear some Republican spinning the evidence. If you go to Fox News, you're going to hear some Democrats spinning Joe Biden stories and how great he is and what he really stands for and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just nuts. It's nuts. And you know it's not true, but they're spinning a belief that it is true. And then they're acting like it's really the truth in how they, with the conviction that how they communicate it. And so, you know, uh, uh, conspiracy theories are are, are really major part of our life these days. And so, you know, I'm not a historian or, or a historian or a political scientist, but it appears that those movements have occurred in the wake of considerable te- technological advances. Uh, you know, here we come from the age of enlightenment. Enlightenment is a kind of backlash, and it can also occur as a distinct part of the populist and the totalitarian movements and George Orwell's writings, and 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 also how those movements are grounded in revolt against the elites, the experts, and thrive on raising doubts about whether facts exist and repeated lies often enough that they are taken to be beliefs. If you, you know, it's amazing. If you, if you go and read the book uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, that's a, such an interesting book, but it's also a sense of uh, conspiracy theory story in itself, but it is real in the book. But it's, uh, it could be a conspiracy theory uh, based on the way uh, the book is written. You know, skepticism in science is about not believing in something unless there is an objective evidence and being skeptical about the reality of uh, one-time subjective observations. So when you see it once, it doesn't mean that's the way it is. You know, if the conspiracy theories claim to be skeptics, they're often really more uh, denialists who are actively rejecting the evidence. And there's a core feeling that authority and experts aren't to be trusted which then paves the way. Well, look, you know, look at all the uh, media on Dr. Fauci and COVID, you know, (laughs) what he says and what Trump says and what Biden says and all these other people say. It's pretty crazy. You know, if you think there's something uh, potentially dangerous about conspiracy theories, you know, I think that the belief in misinformation always has the potential to be harmful. But belief in conspiracy theories has been shown to be associated with a variety of negative outcomes, whether we're talking about not getting your children vaccinated or spreading lies about how mass shootings or so-called uh, uh, false flag operations or showing up at a pizza parlor with an AR-15 to research whether Hillary Clinton was running a child pornography ring in the basement. You know, these are crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. But I'm not saying that these some of these things, uh, like Jeffrey Epstein and, and his child trafficking and, and, and all the horrible things he's done, we're just peeling the beginning of the onion on that one. And I will tell you, there's probably a lot involved in there. And there's it's, and, you know, and it's, it's crazy uh, nowadays uh, that there's actual you know, evidence that the child trafficking is going through all kinds of things like Amazon and, and Wayfair by putting a, a name on a, on a piece of furniture, like a, a chest of drawers, and basically uh, it's it's a child. It's a child. 
and, and, and what they're doing is selling them. And that's the kind of stuff that they're looking into that Jeffrey Epstein did. And, and, and it's amazing because I, I've actually seen evidence, but do I believe do I believe that that's all true? I don't. Not until everything is dug out and all the facts happen. And that's really what uh, homeostasis, the balance that we need in our life to understand that that may be a reality and that they may be onto something, but more evidence has to be collected and gone after it. You know, when we hold beliefs that extreme conviction, not only uh, conspiracy theories, but often political and religious beliefs, and when we feel the need to defend them as part of our identity, they can often get us into trouble in our social interactions with people. You know, uh, cognitive flexibility, the ability to concede that we may be wrong, especially when there's an actual lack of evidence, is far more healthy way to have faith in our beliefs. You know, so how should we react if we come across someone who does, does believe in a conspiracy theory? Do you think it's helpful to try to bring them to the light? Or if so, What's the best way to go about it? So when we talk to people with divergent viewpoints, we should think about what our goals are in terms of having a dialogue with this person. It's probably not very useful to set out, and God forbid you're on an airplane with somebody like this and sitting next to them and then they spin up on their theory. Oh boy. You know, it's probably not very useful to set out a goal with changing people's minds, especially when people are already grounded in their beliefs. But if we did want to change their minds, you know, like in cognitive behavioral therapy for people with cognitive distortions that are common in depression, we have to do this by first listening empathetically with the goal of understanding. So that's how I'd recommend starting conversations about them. And that's basically a person-centered therapy where you're empathizing and you're listening. It doesn't mean you're buying. You know, Mistrust often lies in the core of a conspiracy theory's beliefs, and that's that paranoia. So this suggests that getting people to modify conspiracy beliefs is unlikely to happen outside of a place of trust. So needless to say, having these conversations online is highly unlikely to modify beliefs. And on the contrary, it's going to probably turn into a rather nasty dialogue and, and also a labeling. And then people tend to overstate themselves because they're writing and there's no consequences because they don't know really who they're talking to. And all of a sudden, other people start to jive in on it. You know, fixing things requires changes at, at many levels. First, we can certainly try to change people's minds as a society. We, we should take steps to prevent belief and misinformation by fostering analytic thinking and to make us all better consumers of online information, but that's really something that requires a whole scale uh, uh, change. And, and uh, you know, here in the University of Washington, they've developed a college curriculum with its goal in mind that they call uh, calling, <laughs> they call it calling bullshit. Um, but ideally, we'd start this kind of education much earlier in school, and it'd be better if we taught kids in school to discern what is right and what is wrong and what is truth and what is not truth. And by the way, you know, truth is theoretical and hypothetical also. You know, everybody thinks they own the truth. Their personal perception of the truth they believe is the truth. And a lot of people have that. But if you can actually humble yourself down and admit that you can be actually wrong, 
you're going to jive with life. And that means we learn from each other. And that's called Socratic learning. Socratic learning is basically philosophers that sat down on the, on the steps and basically uh, 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 shared information with each other. And then they expounded on the information with each other. And each was willing to accept each other's perceptions. That didn't mean they agreed with them, but they shared them. And that's how they came up with such meaningful content in philosophy. You know, it, it's, it's, it, it's a problem to have misinformation in your head as a belief. And, and, and it has to be tackled by confronting misinformation in the world. And, and, you know, if you believe a conspiracy theories are ultimately rooted in mistrust, so it means that part of the responsibility of reducing information lies in institutions of authority and even universities. And sadly, they love to warp the truth um, politically and, and philosophically and all kinds of things because they want to bend those young minds into thinking what they want you to believe. And so it means part of the responsibility is reducing misinformation, and these institutions need to do that to gain back the trust of the public. You cannot – it's sad. These days, you actually cannot trust the news. You can't even trust the news. It's sad. It also means that we need to be careful and consider whether we want to support these media companies facilitating this misinformation and the propaganda without some kind of fact-checking or other regulation. You know, YouTube, a couple years ago, took steps to make conspiracy uh, theory videos less prominent in, in their algorithms. And also Facebook is in the news about now its own controversial policies. And it's a free speech debate that's very active right now and will likely continue for a lot of years to come from a congressional perspective. Now we have to look, you know, at the Internet and how does this thing influence uh, delusional thinking? And, and from the perspective of, of psychiatry or psychology, the answer is without a doubt, yes. And so, you know, the Internet, along with other technological developments, has clearly impacted the content of delusional be, uh, beliefs among those with mental illness. And boy, you know, doing therapy for 22 years, I've seen a lot of this stuff going on, and it's sad that these minds fixate so much on their delusions and their conspiracy theories that it might even affect their ability to get a job and to thrive. So sad. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to go more into the Internet, and then we're going to go into how to deal with people who have these conspiracy theories and how to try to stop it. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? 
you're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, Please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about absurd psychology, which is conspiracy psychology. (laughs) You know, about a century ago, people suffered from psychosis, and they often had, and they still do. But you know, and and they many of these people, and they still do, had had uh, delusions of being possessed by the devil or being victims of witchcraft. You know, nowadays, it's much more common to hear delusions centered on technological themes. You know, uh, uh, maybe a businessman complains of the government monitoring or controlling him through computer terminals. Or maybe Alexa is spying on us and feeding that information back to Amazon. Or, or maybe a college freshman finds secret messages discussing plots to kill her within the comments of articles that she's read online. Or maybe a writer says that he's certain that his consciousness has somehow been uploaded to the internet. I mean, there's all kinds of... This is stuff we hear. This is stuff we hear. And in recent years, there's this Truman Show delusion. That was a movie with Jim Carrey, basically, where he lived in a completely uh, delusional sense of reality and it was a tv show that people watched knowing that it was a delusional sense of reality until he actually took a boat and hit a wall and at that point he had to confront what he thought was uh uh uh, uh, his reality was not that it was a something else and that just freaked him out and so it's pretty and it freak anybody out i think you know, uh, and yet the the technological themes among delusions doesn't necessarily mean the technology or the internet causes people to become delusional. Instead, it's thought that delusions are merely drawn from you know cultural themes. But if the delusions are just byproducts of popular culture, what makes them pathological? And and so let's just look at the definition in the DSM five, and that's the Diagnostic Manual for Mental Health, number five. Delusions are fixed beliefs that are not amenable to change in the light of conflicting evidence. Their content may include, and I'm quoting, a a variety of themes like uh, persecutory, uh, referential, somatic, religious, grandiose, 
But the distinction, and I'm continuing the quote, the distinction between a delusion and strongly held idea is sometimes difficult to make and depends in part on the degree of conviction in which the belief is held, despite clear or reasonable contradictory evidence regarding its veracity. So, you know, in clinical practice, when you're, you know, doing counseling, it can sometimes be hard to determine what is or, or what is not a delusion. And so this is a large part because normal human beings believe in all sorts of things for which evidence and counter evidence are lacking. And as a matter of fact, when you do marital therapy, if you don't get them both together and you do it separate, you're going to get two spins on the truth. And those spins on the truth are usually going to make the person that's sitting there look better than their partner and that the blame and the responsibility is really on their partner. And so you don't get anything done because there's no, no accountability. And so basically they're spinning a conspiracy theory without all the facts about or, or, or deleting facts that could be very important to understand in trying to resol- resolve the marriage and make things better, you know. Um, so, you know, normal human beings believe in all sorts of things for which evidence and counter evidence is lacking, such as whether there's a God or an afterlife in the absence of objective evidence uh, psychologically. Uh, sometimes people assess delusional uh, based on how much a belief differs from the popular opinion, which also may not be the truth. You know, according to most uh, uh, readily identifiable delusions are those that are most preposterous or implausible or unshareable, but held with extreme conviction nonetheless by some people. Often those beliefs have a, a, a self-referential quality. For example, it might not be so hard to find those who agree uh, that the devil can talk to people, but it's probably going to be much harder to find anyone who would agree that um, that they the devil is actually talking to you and telling you to go rob banks. You know, only now in this age of the internet, this is going to be less true. A hundred years ago, you might search an entire town and still not find anyone who buys into your conventional belief or unconventional belief. But these days, you can search across the entire planet with the simple click of a button and vastly increase your chances of finding support. You know, and on the positive side, the Internet's reach offers us the chance to expose ourselves to different cultures and different ways of thinking that could foster creativity, create uh, critical thinking, positive aspects of divergence and nonconformity. I know I remember once I worked, um, uh, five people were killed in a uh, uh, cruise ship fire in the engine room. And I was working with an international crew. And it was interesting because the Eastern European folks were more interested in, in, in the respect of the dead and how they're being taken care of and how the company was going to take care of the families and, and what the responsibilities were they going to do and how were they going to share information about what happened in the engine room and how it came about. And so exposing all of that information was very important to them. But then you go to the Caribbean people and to the Hispanic folks and they were more concerned about ghosts. And they were freaking out. And so they had to get somebody to come and basically uh, do an exorcism (laughs) and bless the boat, the entire boat, 
so that they could continue working because they believed that those ghosts didn't know why they died. They died instantly, and they would have would come back and, and be trying to be a part of the crew again. And so they were all freaking out about it because they know the people that died, and they worked with them. And so it's very, very real to them. So, you know, and there were other cultures, but I'm just trying to expound on how people take information differently. You know, so critical thinking, uh, positive aspects of divergent nonconformity is all part of this. But it also provides a potential source of danger, especially when people treat information online as if it were fact. Whereas in reality, it conflicts with objective evidence. You know, let's look at some examples of mental illness and delusions that focus instead on the main theme of uh, 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 sight unseen or psych unseen, you know, the psychiatry of everyday life and belief. You know, uh, if, if, if you look at uh, the, the, the tragic story of Heaven's Gate, which is a, a, a religious group who believed that the key to ultimate spiritual transcendence meant casting off material body and hitching a ride on a passing spaceship believed to be hiding in the tail of, of the Hale-Bopp comet. So in 1997, 39 members of Heaven's Gate formed an away team uh, uh, taking a lethal overdose of barbiturates to complete their ascension. And, you know, if we dismiss this as a delusional thing or a cultish nonsense, consider what the rumor of a UFO trailing Hale Bop didn't emerge within Heaven's Gate as a part of their religious dogma. Instead, it had been popularized in the late night paranormal radio show Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell, which was an actual uh, with actual photographs of the UFO appearing as a, as a white spot, and on different websites in short time, analysts debunked the rumor and the photograph as a hoax. But perhaps the damage had already been done, and so you know they bought into the Heaven's Gate. You know, said I'm not going to stop uh, presenting my material because there's uh, there there there's unstable people. And so they, they contributed, basically, when they spun that story, they contributed to a mass suicide. You know, uh, uh, on one hand, for a belief to be shareable detracts from its delusionality, especially when objective evidence is lacking. Analysis, analysis, analysis. But on the other hand, the Internet seems to have created a space for false information Obstantiated opinions to masquerade as objective evidence, and now the media is buying it and doing it too. And so, you know, the web is 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 just can be plain wrong. Sometimes buying into such information can get us into real trouble. You know, there's a massive industry out there uh, for Hollywood and and telling stories about people that live in, or in Hollywood or in the movies or in music or whatever, and they spin all kinds of crap out there and sell it. Sell it. Actually, make money. Uh, you can go to your grocery store and stand there in line, which we all have to stand a lot longer these days. And basically, um, there it is on the magazines. Propaganda right there. And you could just buy it and believe it. You know, by providing us with a daily dose of unreliable information, the Internet lays the groundwork for delusional thinking. And by recalling what I said in the DS5 definition, a delusion must not only be false, but as much as it can be falsified, but also held with extreme conviction. 
And, and, and recent research suggests that beyond the unreliability of online information, the way we consume information from the Internet can also lead to unwarranted levels of conviction associated with our beliefs. We are living in a day of delusion. We are learning how to be deluded people who, who don't even get it. I mean, look at the riots that go on out there in uh, Portland. Look at the riots, uh, the, 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 the um, chop movement in Seattle just down the street from me. I mean, it's pretty amazing that people can get caught up in these ideas and sell themselves to do stupid stuff that hurts everybody. It, and it's sad. And they'll, they'll spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it and go crazy. But why are they going crazy? Each one has their own reasons, but they all try to reinforce each other and feed off of off, off paranoid delusions. You know, um, people that analyzed uh, Facebook data um, a guy named uh, Michaela Del Vicario found that people tend to click on information that conforms to their own beliefs, and then they ignore the rest. And this is an online demonstration of our brain's inherent tendency for confirmation bias. And, and by sharing posts tends to occur among uh, uh, homogenous groups of like-minded people. And it begs, basically, it creates an online echo chamber, and now we get what's called groupthink. In other words, when, when we're digesting information on the Internet, we tend to read things that support what we already believe. And, and now, look at the Democrats. They're, they're depending on all these polls, but a lot of these polls are, are polling more Democrats than there are Republicans. There are a lot of people that don't even want to answer because they're afraid of the retribution of not agreeing with all these crazies out here in the world, all these crazy, angry people from 2016. And when we preferably share the information with those who are more likely to agree with us, it suggests that when we're online, we avoid exposing ourselves to different viewpoints and limiting our learning uh, potential along with the opportunity for critical feedback that might temper unrealistic beliefs. You know, there's a Yale psychologist, Matthew Fisher, and he had some colleagues uh, that they recently demonstrated that searching for more information on the Internet inappropriately boosts cognitive self-esteem. It inflates our confidence about what we think and, and basically uh, uh, what we well know beyond what we actually know. And so we also seem, see the use of the Internet as, as one information is actually only accessible online and the only information that we need. You know, so if you blur the line between what we know and what we think we know, in effect, an, uh, a Wired magazine did an article labeled uh, the, the Google delusion. And to make matters worse, these biases aren't just the fault of our brains. It turns out they're also built into programs that we use online every day. And so, you know, the final analysis, does the internet really promote delusional thinking? Well, you know, no and yes. We're, we're not really talking about true delusions, but the, the clinical sense of the word. The internet doesn't make us mentally ill or psychotic. It's normal and often healthy to have unconventional beliefs. But our brains already shut out conflicting evidence with the Internet, and we amplify this process on a daily basis as we're navigating information online. And that's why we got to be careful. On top of that, the Internet itself is wired to make confirmation bias even more likely and potentially even hide information that may dampen our convictions. Well, that's our show. I would love to hear from you. You can do that through our webpage on voiceamerica.com. 
the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, birds aren't real. They are government drones. Also, if the earth were flat, playful cats would have pushed everything off by now. Also remember, we we need warning signs outside of our children's bedroom that state, warning, 13-year-old, in gaming mode, enter at your own risk. But if you want to enrage a conspiracy theorist, tell them that the Earth is not flat, we've been to the moon, vaccines work, chemical trails aren't a problem, and climate change is real. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 